You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is an everyday choice. It's an ongoing choice that we must make constantly for fear of falling into lukewarmness, of uselessness, that our Savior cannot use us, does not want us, and that He vomits us out of His mouth. No one wants that. No one wants to be in that state. No one wants to be miserable because of their lukewarmness. We need Jesus in our heart, and we need Him today. In your faith journey, have you ever felt yourself slipping away from God? Have you ever felt yourself slowly letting the world dictate who you are instead of God? Today, Pastor Dave wants you to know that the only way to maintain a steady faith with Jesus is to choose Him daily, stay steadfast in His glory. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 5 as he continues his message, Avoiding the Truth. Men of Israel, take heed for yourselves on what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thutius rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan is of men, it will come to nothing. But it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you be found to fight against God. So the Sanhedrin, here's the words of the apostle. They're cut to the heart, but they're furious. They want to kill them. And this man stands up. One of the council members stands up in the midst. But it's not just any council member. It's Gamaliel, a Pharisee. A little history on Gamaliel. He was the grandson of the esteemed Hillel, who was the founder of Israel's strongest school of religion. He was known as a Rabban, which means our teacher. Rabban means our teacher. This is a step above of the title Rab, which means teacher, or Rabbi, which means my teacher. So he was known as our teacher. Very prestigious, very distinguished human being. In fact, the Mishnah says of Gamaliel, since Rabban Gamaliel, the elder, died, there has been no more reverence for the law. And purity and abstinence died out at the same time. Wow. Because of his knowledge of the law and because he walked with integrity and his attempt to keep the law, they actually called him the beauty of the law. That was his nickname. He was the beauty of the law. Josephus says that he is one of the most brilliant thinkers in all of Israel. Another little fact about Gamaliel that we'll learn when we get to Acts 22, verse 3. He had a student. He had a very, very brilliant student of the law. That student's name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul. He was a student of Gamaliel's. The one thing that Gamaliel said about Paul, it was impossible to find enough reading material for him. The man was a brilliant man. It shows you how brilliant Paul was, the Apostle. But it's very, very significant that Gamaliel is a Pharisee here. 
you know that the Sadducees had control of the council. We read that when we read Acts 5.17. And it was politically foolish for the Sadducees to try to get a Roman execution without the help of the Pharisees. You know, there's some that think that this competition or this control of power was the reason Gamaliel stood up in the first place. This is seen by a way of a Pharisee to take control of the council. Because remember, the high priest was a Sadducee and all his family, they had control. Gamaliel's counsel was unwise, and it was dangerous. But the Lord used it to save the apostles. It shows how he works all things together for good. Just the fact that the Sadducees listened to him and heeded his words, the words of a Pharisee, shows how distinguished a man he was. It's interesting to me that many a distinguished man even today is speaking and been given heed, even though they speak unwise and dangerous counsel. Many, many people are giving heed to them. We have a responsibility, folks. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. We need to take everything we hear, everything that we are taught, and sift it through the Word of God. We need to take everything we hear about it and sift it through God's Word. We must continue to judge that which we hear concerning the Word of God, for therein, the Word of God, we will find the truth. Do not take my word on it. You must be a Berean. And in Acts 17, Paul talks about the Berean church. He said they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures daily to find out what Paul was saying was true. Take no man's word on the truth. Read for it. I mean, have you ever been sitting there in front of someone when they spoke? It could be me. I'm a man. I will make mistakes. I don't want to, but I will. Ever been sitting there and someone says something on you and go, ooh, that didn't sound right. That's when you get in the Word and you get in the Scriptures and you look to make sure what is being said is true. We have a job to do. We need to learn only the truth, and you want only the truth in your counsel. We cannot take man's word. I don't care how distinguished the man is or how well-liked he is. You need to rely on one truth and one truth only, and that's the Word of God. Gamaliel says, I'm going to bring up the past because you know what? The past is just going to repeat itself. This guy, Thudius, you know, he rose up and he didn't do much. Josephus mentions a Thudius, but they don't think that he's the one that he's talking about here. He might have had his dates mixed up. But Josephus does describe this Judas of Galilee, and it may be the same person here. But Gamaliel tried to use cool logic. And this was a time of heartfelt emotions. He tried to use cool logic, and his approach was dead wrong. It's interesting to me that he takes Jesus again and places him with robbers and thieves and people of insurrection. Here we find our beloved Jesus once again being placed among those that he has no business placing with. It's almost like he will be numbered with the transgressors all over again. What this means to me is that Gamaliel saw the apostles' evidence, and he knew it was real, but he had already rejected it. He had already laid it aside. To him, Jesus was just another religious zealot trying to free the nation from Roman rule. But these two men, Thudius and Judas of Galilee, they never even came close to doing anything that Jesus did. Remember, Jesus has rose from the dead. He was alive. These men are in their buried in their tombs right now, dead. Jesus was, was raised from the dead. The apostles were eyewitness of that. And it's curious to me that the Sanhedrin never brings this to question. They never bring this to question that they're talking about the resurrection. They never come to that. Interesting. Gamaliel convinces the council that they have absolutely nothing to worry about. He basically says that, you know, troublemakers come and go, but what's needed is patience. 
This is great for the apostles that spared their lives, but it's bad news for the council because they're avoiding the decision on the truth. Remember we said, don't avoid the truth. There needs to be a decision made. When you avoid it, you've decided. To avoid is to reject. You know, sometimes I think that people are waitingly patiently for us troublemaking Christians to go away. You ever have somebody that you've been witnessing to time and time again, they probably go, oh, will you please just leave me alone? And you just go away. Why are they saying that? Because they don't want to face the truth. It's the old Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise. You can't handle the truth. I got you. You can't handle it because they can't. They couldn't do it. They, it wasn't there. I've had that happen in my life. They probably said, will you go away? Say, enough with your praying. Enough with your Jesus. Go away. I'll wait patiently. I'll wait you out. No, the message isn't going to change. The message will never change. The message will always be the same. Jesus Christ the righteous. You want to go to heaven? It's Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Be baptized. Jesus Christ. Message never changes. The message is always the same. It's about Jesus, only Jesus, and nothing but Jesus. That's the message that we need to hear. But that's the message that most people want to avoid today. They want to avoid that message. They don't want to hear it. You know, Gamaliel also makes another mistake when he says that something that is not of God has to fail. He's not taking into consideration the sinful nature of man and the presence of Satan in the world. Mark Twain says this, that a lie runs around the world while truth is still putting on her shoes. In the end, God's truth will be victorious. Trust me. But meanwhile, many will be deceived as Satan influences a multitude of people. Success is no test of truth. My example of this, look at all the churches that are springing up that are not preaching the truth, that they are a touchy-feely gospel, and they're packed. There's thousands of people going in there because why can't everybody just get along? Let's just grab hands, sing kumbaya, and everything will be great. We don't want to hear about repentance. We don't want to hear about hell. We don't want to hear about any of this kind of stuff. They're avoiding the gospel message, and their churches are packed. That's what's happening. They're avoiding the truth. I love the quote Warren Wiersbe, and I'm doing it again today. He said that the world is a battlefield on which truth and error are in mortal combat, and it often looks as if truth is on the scaffold while wrong sits on the throne. Think about that. Always looks like wrong is on the throne. Gamaliel and the council lost an opportunity for salvation. They lost an opportunity for salvation. How many times does salvation come by? How many times are we given a chance to salvation? I don't know. I know my God is long-suffering. I know my God's will is that none should perish, that all should come to the knowledge of Jesus as Lord and Savior. I know that about my God. And I praise God for his long-suffering. Had he been short with patience, I'd have never got in. I'd have been gone a long time ago. But I praise him for his long-suffering. But how many times will a person be able to hear the gospel message? We're told not to harden our hearts, not to let our hearts get so hard that the gospel message doesn't even have an effect on us anymore. You know, the council loses a chance at salvation because they take this huge decision before them and they turn it into a petty discussion about insurrectionists. Isn't that just like Satan? Isn't that just like Satan to take the truth and turn everything the other way? I mean, come on. People get hung up in the word of, or phrase. They lose sight of the big picture. They lose sight of the picture was the salvation through Jesus Christ. They want to argue. When you start witnessing to them, they're trying to avoid the truth, and the first thing out of their mouth is, well, what about the pygmies in Africa? Or, or what about this? Or what about that? They have all these questions that they throw out. The what ifs. The what should have could have. They throw them all out at you because they're avoiding the truth. They want to hear it. They get into these petty discussions instead of allowing the Word of God to cut their heart, allowing the Word of God to do what it's supposed to do in their heart, cut their heart, make them ready to receive. They avoid the truth. 
They use stall tactics. When it comes to Jesus Christ, we must never avoid the truth. Whether receiving or giving, we cannot avoid the truth. The biggest weakness of Gamaliel's advice was his motive. He encouraged neutrality when the council was facing life and death. Instead, he demanded on a decision. Hmm. Sounds like he was a diplomat. Talked about that last week. He was a man pleaser. You know, if I could just get both sides to agree, everything will be okay. His plan was to wait and see. That's not neutrality at all. That's a definite decision. That's a no. He was preaching someday, but he was voting no. Remember, to be undecided is to be decided. Gamaliel was avoiding the truth, and he was convincing the council to do the exact same thing. I told you what Jesus said about, if you're not with me, you're against me. Did these religious leaders forget about Elijah? Did these religious leaders forget about 1 Kings 18, when Elijah is having the competition with Baal? In 1821, Elijah came to the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. What did these people do? These people did the exact same thing that the council was doing. They avoided the truth because in verse 22 it says, but the people answered him not a word. They were fence sitters. They were sitting on the fence. There are times when being neutral means being quiet, and some think very cowardly a decision to reject God's offer. It's a real interesting passage found in Revelation 21, verse 8. It says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, saucers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The original King James calls the cowardly the fearful. My question is, are these people the ones who heard the truth but were afraid to take a stand? Are they the ones who heard God's word but were afraid to stand up for it? Look what happens to them. Fire, brimstone. You know, Jesus doesn't mix words when it comes to the fence sitter. He doesn't mix words when it comes to the fence sitter. In fact, in Revelations in chapter 3, when he's talking to the church of Laodicea in verse 15 and 16, he says, I know your works. You are neither cold or hot. I wish you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Ouch. Strong words from our Savior. In a spiritual sense, lukewarmness is a picture of indifference. It's called compromise, folks. It's called compromise. That's what lukewarmness looks like. Trying to play the middle. Trying to be the diplomat. Too hot to be cold, too cold to be hot. But you're buying in both things, and it ends up being nothing. Except hearing the words, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Oh my gosh, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Or is it, depart from me, I never knew you. Oh my gosh. Does Jesus mean that to say that these Christians are intrinsically cold, but warmed up by their religious trappings? Or are they essentially hot, but have cooled down because of their apathy and self-reliance? I think it's the latter. I think they've cooled down because of their apathy, and they're relying on self. They're looking at their flesh to solve their problems, not their Lord. Both could be possible, but since he's talking about his church, I would say it's apathy and self-reliance because he's talking about the particular church. You know, there's been no greater curse upon the earth than empty religion. Is there any soul harder to reach than one who has just enough Jesus to think they have enough? Have you ever talked to somebody who has just enough Jesus to think, that's all I need? The church of Laodicea exemplifies an empty religion. But you got tax collectors and harlots who were more open to Jesus than the scribes and Pharisees. Why? Because they knew they were sinners. They knew they needed a Savior. 
The Pharisees and the scribes, they thought they were better than anybody else, better than everybody else. They didn't need a Savior. We have religion. We have the traditions of our Father. What do we need Him for? Satan will have us any way he can get us, folks. And he loves a lukewarm religionist far above a cold-hearted sinner. Jesus said, I wish that you were hot or cold. What Jesus wants to do is change us as much as anything from keep us from playing the middle. He doesn't want us to be on that fence, trying to be both sides. He doesn't want us to be a diplomat. He wants us to be ambassadors. He wants us to be hot. He says, I wish that you were cold or hot. This points to another aspect. Points to uselessness. Uselessness. What good is lukewarm water? Hot water heats and heals. Cold water refreshes. You ever really want a good drink of water and you get it out of the tap or something, you drink it and it's lukewarm? What does that do? They should go, yuck, vomit out of your mouth. It's as if Jesus saying, if you were hot or cold, I could do something with you. But because you're neither, I can't do anything with you. What a sad state. The lukewarm Christian has just enough of Jesus to satisfy a religion craving, but not enough for eternal life. Because they're avoiding the truth. They're avoiding the truth. The thief on the cross was cold toward Jesus, wasn't he? And Jesus met his need. And today he's with him in paradise. The apostle John was hot toward Jesus and had such a wonderful, intimate relationship with him. A beautiful, beautiful, intimate relationship. Judas Iscariot was lukewarm. He followed Jesus for three years, heard the teaching, but never had his heart cut, never believed or trusted the word of God. And look what happened to him. I believe that there is no more miserable person than a lukewarm Christian. I believe a lukewarm Christian is most miserable because they have too much of the world to be happy in Jesus and too much of Jesus to be happy in the world. They're never satisfied. They can't get it. They can't make it settled. What a sad, sad state. How could Jesus say, I wish that you were cold? We know his deepest desire is that you would be hot, on fire for him. That's his deepest desire, on fire. Be a zealot, it says in Revelation 3.19. It's the same word as hot. Yet, if they could not be hot, he prefers cold to lukewarm. Spurgeon has some interesting comments on lukewarmness. I'm going to read them to you. What a fantastic insight on lukewarmness. Spurgeon says that lukewarm prayers mock God. Your lukewarm prayers actually mock God. Listen to what he says here. Oh, my brethren and sisters, have you ever really thought what an insult it is to God when we come before him with lukewarm prayers? There stands the heavenly mercy seat. The road to it is sprinkled with the precious blood of Jesus. Yet we come to it with tears that are cold, or we approach it leaving our hearts behind us. We kneel in attitude of prayer, yet we do not pray. We prattle out certain words. We express thoughts which are not our real desires. We feign wants that we do not feel. Do we not thus degrade the mercy seat? We make it, as it were, a common lounging place rather than an awful rustling place, one besprinkled with the blood and one often to be besprinkled with the sweat of our fervent supplication. Spurgeon also said that lukewarm lives turn people away from Jesus. A lukewarm Christian will drive people from Jesus instead of bringing people to Jesus. Listen to what he says in this quote. Now, lukewarm professor, what do worldlings see in you? They see a man who says he's going to heaven, but is only traveling at a snail's pace. He professes to believe that there is a hell, yet he has tearless eyes. He never seeks to snatch souls from going down into the pit. They seem before him one who has to deal with eternal realities, 
Yet he's half awake, who professes to have passed through a transformation so mysterious and so wonderful that there must be some of it. But if it was true, where's the vast change in his outward life? As a result, yet they see him much like themselves as they can really be. He may be morally consistent in his general behavior, but there's no energy in his religious character. The careless worldling is lulled asleep by the lukewarm professor who in this respect acts the part of a serene to the sinner, playing a sweet music in his ears and even helping him to lure to the rocks where he could be destroyed. This is a solemn matter, beloved. In this way, great damage is done to cause of the truth and God's name and God's honor are compromised by inconsistent professors. I pray you either give up your profession, if it be true, or be true to your confession. If you really are God's people, then serve him like you might. If you belong to Baal, is your God, serve him. If the flesh be worthy praising, then praise the flesh. But if God be Lord, cleave to him. What a wonderful quote by Spurgeon. Are you avoiding the truth in your life today? The truth of Jesus Christ, is that your avoidance? Have you chosen for whatever way, whatever means, to disbelieve what we know to be true? You know, if Gamaliel was really fighting against God, what would he do? What would he have done? We're talking about a very brilliant man. Well, he would honestly investigate the evidence. He would search the scriptures. He would listen to the eyewitnesses, and he would ask God for wisdom. He does none of this. Gamaliel and the council missed the chance of a lifetime, a chance of eternity. Let me leave you with this. The author of Robinson Crusoe, Daniel Defoe, says this. He claimed that nobody was born a coward. This is what he says, I quote, Truth makes a man of courage, he wrote, and guilt makes a man of courage a coward. What some men call caution, God would call cowardice. The apostles were true ambassadors. Gamaliel was really only a religious politician, and that makes him diplomat. Are you avoiding the truth about Jesus today? Have your hearts been touched by the Word of God, and you're avoiding it? Are you placing it on a side, and you'll get to it later? No. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that Christ has called you. Today is the day that the gospel message has been preached, and now you are responsible for it. What will you do with it today? You might have made a profession of faith years ago for Jesus Christ, but what are you doing today? Is that profession of faith reflected in your life today? Is it reflected in the way you choose to live your life? Is it reflected in your lifestyle, in the way you do things, in your speech? Is it reflected by what you do and what other people see? Yes, don't avoid the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is an everyday choice. It's an ongoing choice that we must make constantly for fear of falling into lukewarmness, of uselessness, that our Savior cannot use us, does not want us, and that He vomits us out of His mouth. No one wants that. No one wants to be in that state. No one wants to be miserable because of their lukewarmness. We need Jesus in our heart, and we need Him today. Don't avoid truth. You are assured. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope.